Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, welcome into the Georgia show. It is the Nate Frazier commitment show. And yes, uh, Georgia missed out on KJ Bolden. We'll get to that. But let's start with the guy who actually did choose to commit to the dogs, Nate Frazier, out on the left coast, joining RBU. Go ahead, Roosh. Uh, well, I was going to say, man, I mean, tremendous pickup for Georgia. There's no real other way you can sell it. Um, this this guy, depending on what service you look at, if you're looking at on three, he's the number one back in the rankings uh, at our site. So uh, I tend to lean that way, and his film suggests the same. Um, you look at a guy who's hitting top-end speed with ease. Uh, he's finding those holes. He's a one-cut guy. Um, just does a little bit of it all. I agree with Charles Powers' assessment, which is we want to see the production increase, maybe going into the senior year. Didn't have all that many carries uh, in the last season, but uh, everything that this guy has put on film is special, man. And to me, the lack of production makes him all the more intriguing. I think that that's exciting, man. I think that that talks about tread on the tires. That's an opportunity for Georgia to utilize him further. And realistically, though, you're talking about a three-back class now for Georgia in 2024. They may not have to use him all that hard either. So this is a guy with great film already. He can put together great tape at the next level. And if he's able to do what he's doing here, St. John Bosco playing some of the most elite talent in the uh, the, the, the country, that's modern day versus St. John Bosco. Yeah, just housing it against a guy like Peyton Woodyard and, and company. Uh, just running all over dudes. This is good football he's playing, good players he's playing. Uh, no way to underrate this pick. Georgia gets one of the absolute best. And 
closes out what I think is a tremendous, tremendous running back call in the 2024 class. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm 50. I just turned 50 years old. I'm an old man. So you know what excites me? Warm chocolate chip cookies and contact balance. <laughs> this dude right here, when he put his hand on the ground and kept on running like that's that at full speed, that's that's not natural. So, um, you know, that I laugh because I've, I've looked at about 12 different breakdowns and everybody used the word contact balance with him. Yeah. But that's that's the new running back term. You know what I mean? It's not breakaway speed and all that is contact balance. And you watch him run through arm tackles. I love a guy, man, that can turn that can turn second and seven into third and two because he broke a tackle. And those, those are the most underrated runs. Um, I've known Charles power now for a long time. And I know what Charles power covets in a running back. And that's a three down back. Can this guy play on first down? Can he be there on first and 10 in the red zone? You got to sub him out for somebody bigger. Uh, can he catch the ball out of the backfield? Is he a home run threat? He plays at a powerhouse in California there. So, uh, when you look at that, I'm not so worried about maybe the lack of production there because he has to share it with like 50 different uh, Division One recruits on that team. And uh, that's that's probably one of the top two or three programs in the country historically. So uh, when you look at look at that, I'm not so worried so much worried about all that production, that type of thing. But listen, Dell McGee, he flips Chauncey Bowich from Florida. He gets to White Phillips, who might be the fastest football player in America. And then he goes to California and beats Oregon and Alabama for Nate Frazier. Del McGee, man, well, can we do stock up now? I'm, can I do a quick and do stock up? I got yeah, a column. Go I got a column coming on. Cool. I got a. I got a, a column coming on uh, on Del McGee, man. Uh, what I will say, uh, I'll tease you the headline. Del McGee heard the whispers about his recruiting. That's what I will say about that. There was you missed on Justice Haynes last year, right? Yep. And a lot of people were wringing those hands. What's yep. going to happen? You go out and you get a guy like uh, Roderick Robinson, but then you rebound in a way like this in a year that you really needed to do it, where Georgia's going into this season with probably some questions surrounding that running back uh, situation uh, in terms of health, in terms of depth. I think that he goes out and he absolutely knocks it out of the park with this trio of commitments. And um, <clears throat> Rusty, I'm interested because uh, Jake and I talked about this earlier Um We've got a – I'll tease a little Bark After Dark. We might be talking to uh, Georgia's newest commit on Bark After Dark tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, uh, we'll keep that one uh, between you and I. But I, what I said, what I love about Nate Fred, and I don't see as much as I used to in high school backs, is that he's a one-cut guy. He finds the hole and he bursts through. I think that you see a lot of high school backs that want to create in the backfield, and they miss two or three tackles in the backfield, and they gain four yards. They're not, they're not the guys that are piercing that hole, hitting top speed and accelerating for those big gains anymore. It's showy to miss tackles and shake dudes off. But if you can do that and do what Nate Frazier does effectively, I think that over the long term, that's what people are looking for. I think that's what Del McGee is looking for, most certainly. Yeah, you got to be tough to play for Dell. I and mean, that's the first thing, you know, I think – he must have just a, a pitcher in his office. If you don't look like this from the waist down, you just can't play at Georgia. I mean, those guys are tree trunks. And uh, you even look at Dwight Phillips, who's not, he's 180 pounds, and he's rocked up. You know what I mean? So um, this is a hell of a class, man. And, and listen, we're going to – we don't have to beat a dead horse with Justice Haynes. That was a that was a miss. That was a big yeah. miss for Georgia. Yeah. Fool me. But, but what do you have to do? You have to have – you had to go back in. Not only had to get – two guys you wind up with three 
and you get guys that bring different packages uh, to the game. Chauncey Bowens is probably 210 pounds. You see him in person. Um, and then you look at Nate, and then you look at Dwight. So uh, all these guys bring something a little bit different. But Georgia, you want to talk about restocking and, and filling that cabinet back up. Uh, this class of 2024 has done that. Del McGee, uh, he put a stamp on – he put his stamp on this class tonight today. Comparison. I, comparisons is what I'm interested in, too. Uh, yeah. You know, when you think about these guys – my take is I think Dwight is your James Cook-esque guy. Uh, you can use him in a number of different ways. Um, J- Jake Rowe and I talked about that a lot. I think Bowens kind of becomes the collegiate Zamir White, not maybe the high school Zamir White, um, but that's not a bad thing either. Zamir White was a hell of a back in at Georgia. Uh, Strong, yeah. fast, powerful. And then uh, I think you get Nate Frazier, and I really like that comparison that uh, On3 has for him of DeAndre Swift. Uh, yep. you know, a guy, that's what he looks uh, like to me. Yeah, he plays in that way. And and uh, Jake also mentioned Josh Jacobs for him as well. William Gleaton oh. says kind of looks like Garrison Hurst. He does oh. run like Garrison Hurst a little bit on that one cut. And and that's a great one. I was sitting here trying to think, who does he look like? That's a great one, William, because that, that was Garrison's you know signature kind of move right there. Uh, man, that's a great comparison there, Garrison Hurst. Man, that's not a bad one to be named after. To <laughs> yeah, sure. Be compared to. Uh, so, that's a great comparison there. Good job. Here's what I like about Frazier's huddle tape that we're playing on the YouTube stream. If you're only listening on podcasts, you definitely want to check out the visual component too. This guy has an entire uh, addendum to his huddle highlight reel of touchdown runs of just him picking up blocks and pass protection. That is not safe for work material if you are watching this and you are a running back sicko because – that is uh, that is pretty impressive right there. Here's what I want to ask you guys, just kind of conceptually here. Uh, Georgia, Rusty, you mentioned the, uh, putting the ingredients back in the cupboard there. We had Matt Godwin on a couple nights ago, and, and he alluded to how Kirby follows the Bill Parcells model of building a roster. And Parcells is all about picking out the best groceries. So when you look at what you build an offense around, uh, the past couple of years you've been able to build it around Brock Bowers and freaking people out wondering where he's going to be with this much talent in the backfield. Dare I say that RBU could be making a comeback here shortly? Well, yes. I mean, I think when you look at what Stacy Searles did, so what did he do in this class? And, and you talking about large humans and Bill Parcells. I mean, it doesn't get any more than what Georgia just brought in with nine year. Dan- I saw Daniel Calhoun play the other night and I, I was thinking, you know, this guy's six, five and a quarter, three fifty, And he's not, there's two other guys in the room going to be bigger than him. So when you start looking at all that and you throw in Monroe Freeland from last year, Bo Hewley from last year, all those guys. So when you look at what George has done, particularly in the last, say, 14 months offensively, um, you know, RBU and that offensive line, the physicality, because let's, let's, let's face it, man, um, you got one season left of Brock Bowers, and there's some great football players. There's some great talent in that tight end room. But Brock Bowers, there's not another Brock Bowers. There's not one in college football. So you got to have to find other ways to create and some other guys can get some more touches. So I think that Georgia running back class for Del McGee had a lot, lot easier sell to say, hey, look, look at these six or seven skyscrapers are going to be in front of you. Is that, that what you want to build your legacy around in college? Come on. And uh, those guys jumped in the boat. Frazier, uh, Frazier mentioned a little something that uh, almost suggested that if uh, those guys got touched uh, behind that uh, that offensive line, it was their fault. 
So <laughs> I don't think I, he's I, wrong I about it. <laughs> he said, look at the, I mean, dudes in front of us are incredible. And um, yeah, he said, if we get touched, that's our fault. That's on us at this point. Cause those dudes are the biggest that they got. I still think, I still think today's world is, is, is fast paced throwing the ball around, but you got to be able to be physical when you need to be physical and, and be able to move people and run the ball. And, um, you know, I'm not sitting here, George's not going back to the I formation and, hmm. And Bobo is not going to bring back a big fullback with a neck roll as bad as I want him to. Uh, you know, Don't you're going to Rusty. We're going to lose viewers. <laughs> you got a little eligibility left, Rusty, too. I think, man. <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be hell for two plays. I'm telling you, that. <laughs> yeah. you know, tap the helmet like I'm, I'm coming to the sideline. Um, so, but that would that I think George is going to continue to be fast paced. They're going to throw the ball around, but uh, there's times where you got to be able to physical. You got to be able to move people. Got to be able to run the ball, especially. You know, as you get down in that red zone, you got to have that physicality and uh, you got to be versatile. You know, I don't think people realize, you know, I was watching the Ohio State game that night. It was on TV and that first touchdown they scored was a, basically a tunnel screen to Kenny McIntosh in the slot. Yep. You know what I mean? So a guy like Frazier and Dwight Phillips, those guys can do the exact same thing. So Kenny McIntosh, for whatever reason, one of the most underrated players in Georgia in a long time, in my opinion, he was so valuable. He got better as a running back. And again, that was a Dale McGee evaluation, and he's already doing really good things with the Seahawks. So I think when you look at those packages, those types of things, it's not just in the box anymore. It's what can you do as a mismatch, putting those guys out. And Munkin did a really good job there in that, I think it was the second series of the game, getting Kenny McIntosh in the slot. Uh, Big Broderick Jones blocked one dude, and Kenny McIntosh scored from about 30 out on basically on a tunnel screen. Yeah, that, that play was about- a beauty. Well, you talk about mismatches too, and you talk about like what we just said. If you're able to put Dwight Phillips in a number of different scenarios all over the field, I mean, just let him act as an athlete, which he is. And like you said, one of the fastest men in the country. Um, you take a guy like Nate Frazier, who willingly blocks, loves it, welcomes it. Uh, it has it on the film, right? And then you got Chauncey Bowens, who's over here. If you go check his Twitter out, he's doing lifts that look like Nick Chubb back in high school, man. He's picking up, you know, 600 pounds. No, no problem. So he's going to be able to take on some big boys, too. And I think that that's really what Georgia sees in all of these guys is that versatility, that ability to contribute. And um, I think you have to give these guys a lot of credit, too. This is a very me first environment that we're in in this day and age, uh, social media, et cetera. Um, I, I'm not knocking young kids. I'm saying that that's just how it is now, man. It's Get a little bit different. It, it's a little, it's a little different than it was. But these guys are willing to do seemingly unselfish things, and to come into a class with three guys of this kind of caliber uh, really speaks, I think, to where they are mentally and what they believe that they can accomplish and do at the next level. Chauncey Bowens with the quote here: "I think we can be the next Sony Gurley and Chubb and rewrite the RBU." Mount Rushmore. We'll get back to Mount Rushmore in a second. Uh, but Bowens with the quote here, guys, the thing that's different about that, obviously, is that Sony and Chubb were in the same class, but a different class from Gurley. This is three guys in the same class. So that's pretty freakish right there. I do think McGee heard the whispers, uh, Roos, and I think he's come back with the vengeance. This is the Michael Jordan, and I took that personally meme written all over it right here. If someone can Photoshop McGee's face on it, I think you got a photo for the article. Uh, Let's move on, guys, to the uh, K.J. Bolden commitment that happened yesterday. Georgia does a great job of spinning things forward, as as we've spoken about, Roos. You miss out on one guy, 
you pick out uh, pick up somebody else. But Rusty, you were at KJ's commitment, and he picked the Seminoles. It doesn't really surprise us. But I'm curious, man, is this thing over or not just because he put the hat on? Um, let me say a few things here to kind of be real clear with this. What a tremendous job that Florida State did getting him to commit last night. And, um, you know, they came on in the last month or so. They, they, had, they did a really good job with him. They were the first to ever offer him. And, uh, you know, they've had him down a couple of times. He took a quick visit down in late June there uh, for an uh, for an, uh, unofficial, I believe. And they, they've done a good job with him. I'm not going to beat around the bush. But I also want to say this and be real clear with everybody here. Georgia is not stop. Georgia's not going to stop recruiting K.J. Bolton. That's not how that thing works. There's a long way between now and December. So uh, just talking to him, I just talking to some people last night, you know, it feels like he can play immediately there. And, um, you know, that's going to be something that, uh, George is going to have to probably try to overcome if they have any chance of getting him at all. But I, I can assure you that George is not going to stop recruiting KJ Bolden uh, for for one minute with this thing. And um, he is a very very talented football player, and and uh, he's just there's a great kid, man. I, that la- that setup last night was crazy. That place was packed. I mean, it, they had a DJ. I mean, uh, had a bar in there. Great food. So. Listen, I've covered this kid since the ninth grade. Congratulations to him and his family. And, and uh, you know, kind of backed off a little bit today from social media, but read some of the things. And, man, people people care. Let me say that. That's why we have a job. You know what I mean? People care. But I, I can assure you that Georgia's not going to quit recruiting uh, KJ Bolt. They didn't, recru- they didn't quit recruiting Travis Hunter. Uh, didn't get Travis Hunter at the end. But they had him on campus, what, two, three times? Uh, they didn't quit recruiting Michael Williams when he committed to USC. Uh, so, you know, you just don't, that's not how things go. And listen, if he would have committed to Georgia last night, Florida state wouldn't have quit recruiting him either. So, uh, this is one of those things we'll watch and see if Georgia is able to get him, uh, back on campus at all. But, uh, you know, right now you say, congratulations to Florida state. They did a good job of getting him to uh, verbally commit last night and he's in their class right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Hugh freeze is going to delete his number. Um, is what I would say about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, I think um, no. It's, I understood you, you that reference. No, you 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 mentioned the you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Travis Hunter, and that's yeah. the thing. Like I mentioned that on the board earlier. Like if I were betting, I would say KJ Bolden signs with FSU. Yeah. Also, okay. though, if I, were, if I if I were also betting though, I would say KJ Bolden probably takes another visit to another campus that is not FSU's. Before this ends in December, sure. that oh, would be yeah. my, that would be, I, th- those are safe bets. We've we've been yeah. doing this long enough to know that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, it was a great get by Florida State, and you know, what I said too was that the idea was we were kind of in a situation where you have the best in the business, uh, and there's a lot of well-respected people, not just at on three, but all across this industry, that were basically shrugging their shoulders and saying like. Here's what I think is going to happen. Oh, yeah. That does not happen very often. That's a very rare thing. Normally, you've got people who are assured and saying, this is it. This is what's going to happen. Credit to anybody who did. I, I'm not, and there were, I think there were some people out there, but yeah. there, we've got a lot of titans of this industry who were saying, uh, it could go either way. Yeah. I really enjoyed you know, about it. I checked, I checked with some, some sources that I trust very deeply ahead of it. And uh, I thought the same thing. I thought he was, I thought he was Georgia bound that he ended up at Florida state is um, not wholly surprising, I guess. Um, 
there's the opportunity to start day one at Florida State, which is not the case in Athens. That's not going to happen at Georgia unless you just come in and you beat out dudes with two and three years experience. Nobody has to leave this roster. I mean, there are guys who are coming back who've been in the system and they know how it works. If that's your motivation, then that's something that matters a lot, right? I mean, he's going to be able to have that opportunity at FSU. Um, And then there's the dream school factor. Um, You know, I mean, he said from the get go, that was where I wanted to go. He's a guy who grew up loving Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh, Deion Sanders played there. I mean, you know, you got some greats that have come through FSU and KJ Bolden uh, for whatever people want to say about him. And I've seen a lot of comments about who he is as a person. I'll tell you this in my personal interactions with him, he's been nothing but kind, respectful, well-spoken, very thoughtful. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would I, I would defend K.J. Bolden as a person uh, in, in a very high regard. He's a guy who what I don't think people appreciate all the time is he's a guy who's been in it a long time. K.J. Bolden has been recruited for three, four years at this point almost. I mean, he knows how the game works. He knows how to create hype. He knows how to interact with adults and coaches and media. And so I give him a little bit of credit for creating some mystery around the whole thing. Yeah. And if that's where your heart led you, I, I think that that's great for him. And I and I hope nothing but the best for him. I, I'm rooting for the kid. Um, I, told, I told Chad Simmons on call me this week. We talked like 93 times last week. I don't call me this week. I don't care what's going on. Don't call me this week. We've had enough. And uh, we were trying to piece yeah. together information from this and that. And listen, I'll tell you last Monday, Chad and I both agreed. And I went to practice on Tuesday at Buford. And I can tell you, that two people at that practice told me, you better watch Auburn. You better watch Auburn. Mm. Not one person at that practice said anything about Florida State to me. And this, I wasn't, these are people that are around KJ, you know, and these are people that I, I, I trust and I know, and they're like, you better watch Auburn. And, uh, you know, you get into Thursday and you start hearing more about Florida State. And, uh, and credit to, listen, our war chant guys, Michael Langston, met him last night. I've met Michael before, but – you know, they were kind of adamant all week that they were in this thing and they yes, felt good for absolutely. Florida State. And that's, you know, listen, that war chant on our Florida State side is massive for a reason because they do a hell of a job. And I walked up last night and me and Michael were sitting there and he goes, well, I drove five and a half hours. We're going to find out. I said, man, this, I said, I feel like it. I feel like this is a heavyweight fight. You know, this thing is going 15 rounds. Well, who's going to be standing at the we- end, you know? So you had but, Cam, you had Cam Davis there. You had uh, Dylan Riola there. You had Edric Houston there. I mean, it was it was like it was like the it was like you know a Tyson fighting in Vegas, man. I mean, yeah. it was a who's who coming yeah. into town for that one. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So hey, listen, KJ, great kid. I don't care. It's like I told you know him. Thank you for the invite to come. I don't care if you go to the University of Alaska. I've covered you for three and a half years. I'm going to drive two hours on a Saturday night, and I'm going to be there at your event. Uh, tons of media there, great kid, and you wish him the best. But, uh, you know, people ask me because I run a Georgia site. I can assure you Georgia is not just not going to call him again. That That's not going to happen. So uh, we'll see how this thing unfolds over the next couple of months. May not be anything to it, but uh, Georgia's not going to quit recruiting him, just like Florida State wouldn't quit recruiting him had he committed to Georgia last night. University of Alaska just joined the Pac-12, we're hearing. <laughs> Uh, Kirby's belt in the YouTube comments. The hat position gave it away. Yeah, the hat science really clued me in. And also the graphic science. Hayes Fawcett, I believe, made him a graphic. And Georgia was smack dab in the middle of both of those things. And I knew he wasn't going to Georgia at that point. I knew he wasn't going to commit to Georgia anyway. And people want us to talk about the Buford curse. Look, guys, that 
it's ironic. It is what it is. You know, I mentioned you can't get the number one safety out of the state of Georgia, but you can get that five-star running back, Nate Frazier, out of California. This whole uh, mythos around Kirby Smart took the Georgia do- job just to put a wall around the state of Georgia, I think we're seeing that doesn't really matter. Kirby's just kind of getting guys from all over the country, and he's, he's not going to stop on Bolden as we've beaten into the ground now. Here's the thing about Buford, and I've been going there, and Bruce has been going there for many, many years. Georgia hasn't offered as many people from Buford as you think. You know what I mean? All these players. Um, and listen, Justice Haynes was there, what, six months? Uh, that's uh, what I was going to say. If you're you, yeah. if you're going to consider Justice Haynes a Buford kid, yeah. you better yeah. consider Dylan Riola a Buford yeah. kid. Yeah, and, and you don't consider either one of them because both of them are going to be there six months. I mean, yeah. they're both there in June, and yep. then they're both gone in December. So yeah. you take, both of those guys are a wash there, in my opinion. So I think really the one kid you go back a couple of years ago and, and things didn't work out for him in college that I think that Georgia really, really tried to get was Harry Miller, uh, the offensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sam Pittman recruited him. And, you know, they've signed 50 D1 kids since then. But really, Georgia hasn't really like zeroed in on as many Buford kids as you think uh, because Buford puts out tons of kids all over. I think it gets kind of – like, but you know, it kind of gets it makes that thing a little bigger than it is. So, um, you know, they well, have they have they missed on some, yeah, they've missed on some, but it, they haven't offered as many Buford kids as people think. Yeah, and Buford's had a lot of change over the, the, the course of time, man. I mean, it's not like it's just been the same staff of people. And I love the guy on our board who like was responding to somebody and said, Oh, you know, they, they said, Oh, Buford just hates Georgia. He was like, Who hates who hates Georgia? Is it the school crossing guard? Is it the yeah. janitor? He said, because it's not the same, it's not the same offensive and defensive coaches every year. So who is it that's poisoning these kids against Georgia? I don't believe that narrative. I don't support it. I think that, you know, um, yeah, Harry Miller is probably the main guy I would point to. Really, Isaac Nada was probably more of a Buford kid than anybody that you've had in a long time, and you got him, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Isaiah Bond may have been a guy that they should have pushed a little harder for, in my opinion. Probably, but they um, he, but, he wasn't like he wasn't. They weren't, in my opinion, like all in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so that's what, there's not a lot of kids that you are looking back over the course of time. I mean, the last kid to sign with Georgia from Buford High Dallas School, Josh Cardiello. Josh Cardiello. Yeah, in, in 2012. Yeah. Since that time, though, you go look at it too. And this is not a knock to Buford, and I hope it's not taken that way. You go look at the NFL production as well. It's not like a lot of those guys have matriculated to the next level in that way. No. So they've sent guys to other places, but it ne- ne- hasn't necessarily worked out in the way that maybe they'd hoped. Now I'll say this. In the next couple of classes, they've got some really outstanding kids, man. I mean, Jane Perlott is a great player. Osiris Gilbert is a guy that they're after. Same um, loves they Caleb love, Downs. Yeah, they love – Edric Houston. Edric Houston. Yeah, sure. That, that's which is that's a miss, right? I mean, if it they I don't project they'll get Edric Houston. And if they yeah. don't, that's a miss for them. Yep. Um, but the fact that it's at Buford all the time, I I think that Georgia's not pushing as far, as hard as some people suspect at all times in Buford. Yeah. Well, that the bigger story is going to that county, and we could we could do another whole show on that. Doesn't doesn't mean it's Here's the thing I mentioned today. Like, it's a transient place, man. People are moving in. Gwinnett County is one of the fastest, biggest growing places in the freaking world. Yeah. Caleb Down didn't grow up there. 
KJ Bolden didn't grow up there. I mean, these kids didn't watch David Pollock and David Green and no. those guys. I mean, it's not like they grew up hunkered down. You know, they get here and they're 40 minutes from Athens. Doesn't mean they've been watching them their whole life. So there's and they're and they're not going to elementary school with kids who did either. It's not like you know. I mean, listen, if you live in if you live in um, Stevens County or you live in uh, you know, uh, let's say uh, Baldwin County, uh, yeah, the love is there, right? Like it's it's more it's not as transient of a community. There are people moving in and out of Gwinnett on a daily basis, man, and yeah. it's exploding for that reason. And there's a lot of people who either A, don't care about football, or B, bring their own uh, notions about football there. It's been a long time since those uh, Brookwood and Parkview days where, you know, you just picked up the Gwinnett Daily Post and you felt like Gwinnett had a real high school football culture that was, you know, just that traditional scene. It, it has been that recruitment checkpoint, pinpoint, let's move here, let's get our kids some tape against some really good players. And then, you know, IMG comes along and kind of shakes things up. But I'm what from Gwinnett County. You know, I've seen say, that I'll... county change and grow and become what it is. And it's not the same place. And it's very different compared to pretty much anywhere else in the state. Uh, you know, your larger counties like Cobb County has a similar vibe. But still, Gwinnett County is just totally different, man. Uh, when, when you look really quickly, guys, at Bolden, let's say he does stick with his Florida State commitment. What is Georgia looking at at safety in this class? Uh, Peyton Woodyard, who is a one of the most highly recruited players um, in the in the class there, um, and also you know we talked about Cam Michael, who is from Statesboro, Georgia, and you know this is a kid that a lot of schools are recruiting at wide receiver. There's some talk he might want to play offensively, but you know kind of the vibe I'm getting is is he uh, he, he he is good if he lands at Georgia to play defense. So I, I don't want to like downplay, but Georgia with KJ Bolden is going to be in a really good spot. Georgia without KJ Bolden is still going to be fine. You know what I mean? So they, they just, you, you want a kid like KJ Bolden because they knew who he is off the field too. He's a great kid. Uh, so you look at these guys, but Cam Michael, man, um, you know, six foot, six foot, 185 pounds. Was he 10, seven, 10, 600 kid already. So, uh, he's down in Statesboro area, and they've already got one from Swainsboro and DeMello Jones in that area. So, and oh, by the way, Ellis Robinson, who some people think might be the number one football, just let me side note on defensive back. Ellis Robinson, who some people in the industry I trust think he's the number one football player in this class, not, not number one corner, the wow. number one football player over any quarterback, any offensive lineman. He's the number one player in high school football right now. No, by the way, he's been committed to Georgia and he's staying committed. So you know, there's, there's a lot of different storylines we can go, we can go with. And yeah, I don't kind of mentioned that in passing a couple weeks ago, like, Oh, by the way, Ellis Robinson shut his recruitment down. That was huge though. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama and everybody was after him obviously because of who he is, but Hey, Fran Brown didn't get one last night, but Fran Brown has been, he's been hitting the ball. If he was in the Braves lineup, he'd be hitting right second or third. I can guarantee oh. you that. Yeah, he's, he's he's Joe DiMaggio right now, buddy. He's, he's I mean, he's, yeah, he's taking a lot more home than he, he's not. Um, yeah, I think people. That's what I keep. I, I I wrote an article about this recently. I think Ellis Robinson is probably the most underappreciated commitment in Georgia's class right now. I don't I think people are talking about it enough. Um, this is a kid that at on three we have ranked as the number three player in the country. He's the consensus. But if you look at any service, the number one cornerback 
easily, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a – Rivals has him uh, just under uh, – uh, or at a four-star at number 22. If they ended their cycle today, he would be a five-star uh, player. Um, he's a five-star plus with that. And uh, so it's an every service has him ranked there. Brand Brown and Will Muschamp have done a lot more good than they have bad in this cycle. I know it sucks to lose a guy like Bolden, especially coming off of a year where you lost a guy like Downs. Um, that's hard to lose two in-state safeties of that caliber to out-of-state schools. But by the same I'll token, you, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. And I don't interrupt you. We're we're pretty honest, and me and, and me and Rouge are on the same page with some of these things. It's going to be tough to watch Caleb Downs the next couple of years if you're a yeah, Georgia fan. No question. No, no question about it. This somebody asked on somebody asked on the board, uh, you yeah. know, where would you rank these guys? I said, to me, I think uh, it, it was Malachi Starks, uh, KJ Bolden, and Caleb Downs. I yeah. said, at the same stage, if you're comparing all three guys, Caleb Downs, to my in my opinion, is the best safety of the group. I would, I would do that. I would agree. He's there. the best pure safety. I think yeah. KJ Bolden. Uh, is probably, I, or I think Malachi Starks is actually probably the best athlete of that group. Hundred percent. And he's a little bigger. And he's a little bigger. And then I think, and then I think, you know, KJ is, has both things. Now, it, that sounds like a knock to KJ. It's not. <laughs> You're comparing him to two of the finest players that have come through the state in in the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, Caleb Downs is a tremendous player. KJ mm. Bolton will be a tremendous player. Malachi Starks is a tremendous player. That's the thing about it, man. Ellis Robinson is also going to be a tremendous player. And does Georgia have plans outside that uh, safety spot? Well, let's see. Look, you got Peyton Woodyard in the fold, right? Trying to hold on to him. Trying to hold on to him. So I know yeah. Bama's, Bama's in yeah. there as well. USC as well, trying to flip him. Yeah. Can you get Cam Michael in? That's that's important. Maybe that shapes how this goes. You've got a couple of late entrants into this class. We're getting ready to get into camp talk here. I know soon. But you're talking about Kyron Jones and Chris P. One of those guys probably is going to end up making an impact at safety at some point, in my opinion, as well. It's not like George's cupboard is bare when it comes to safety, man. I mean, it, this is no make or break situation in any of this. So I, I think that it's a you, you got to take it all with Bill, man. For sure. Uh, let's talk camp really quickly. Uh, I don't even know what we're doing for camp this week yet. Haven't gotten any kind of media schedule, anything like that. There goes Roos. Got to pop something in the microwave. Rusty, uh, when you talk about Georgia camp right now, I think, you know, the thing that excites me the most is seeing uh, this defense. I mean, we're talking about Malachi Starks. As good as he was last season as a true freshman, he's got to pick it up based on how he finished last season. I think he would admit that and tell you that. LSU kind of picked on him a little bit and, you know, kind of showed his youth, but he's going to be a guy that has to step up and make some really big plays on the back end for Georgia this year. I expect that. I think where they're at right now, you look at was this practice three, maybe uh, they did go today um, with uh, helmets, I think. And, you know, for me, fall camp is about two Saturdays and we're going to have one next week and uh, we're going to have a scrimmage next week. And then we're going to have that second scrimmage the following Saturday. And then that third scrimmage is usually to find out who's kind of who's going to move to the scout team and who's not. And it's starting to get close to game week. So they're not going to really have a bunch of one on ones and good on good. But I'm going to tell you something now. You got two, you got two Saturdays is coming up, and we haven't heard a ton out of quarterbacks yet. And some of the early, you know, names that create some buzz, but 
if Carson Beck, who we expect to be the quarterback, is going to kind of put his stamp on this team in fall camp, these next two Saturdays are going to be really important to him because um, I've said it a million times. Georgia came out of those two practices a couple years ago and thought Dewan Mathis was the guy. Um, so we'll see what happens. And, and Carson Beck has got a couple of big scrimmages. Uh, the quarterbacks will have big scrimmages there. I told somebody today, you're sitting there having to practice against Georgia's defense every day. My God, you can't wait for the season to start. Like, yeah. You can't wait to have somebody else other than those that crew breathing down your neck, you know, every single day and having to face them. So that's the good part about it. You know, when you go through Bloody Tuesday, you're not going to face that on Saturday. Most, you know, 12, 13 weekends a year, you're not going to see anything like you're seeing across the field every day in Athens if you're on the offense. All, all respect to UT, UT Martin, man. Uh, but I'm sorry, uh, small money, small money does not play for UT Martin. Uh, uh, you, you don't have uh, Malachi Starks in the backfield to throw against. Uh, it's, it's a different thing, man. Yeah, they're looking forward to it. I would agree with that completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, preparing for UT Martin, I just I don't know how they're going to simulate that before they go seven and five this season. Uh, I. I'm excited to see the defense, though, like I mentioned, because I do think they could be knocking on the door of that 2021 dominance. But I, I still think we're too close to that 2021 defensive unit to really appreciate how good they are. Looking back on that team uh, defensively is just going to age like a fine wine, man. That was just the, the toast toast to college football. That is the team. That is the defensive unit that everyone wanted to be. And I think it's the dream unit that Kirby envisioned he could build when he got to Georgia? Uh, I was talking about Georgia today with someone, and, and listen, we could, all, we could all three name three games right now. If you're going to beat Georgia, you're going to have to have an elite quarterback, and you're going to have to have elite wide receivers. And you go back to – start going back to Joe Burrow and what he did to him in the Mercedes-Benz. Right. And, and then you go back to Bryce Young and what he did to him. And you go back to Mac Jones and what he did to him with those wide receivers. And you go back to C.J. Stroud in that game last year. You know, he he, he hurt him as well with those receivers. Uh, but, you know, that you're you're not going to run the ball in Georgia. You're, you're going to have a hard time running the football in Georgia. So the mix to me is who's going to be that quarterback and who's going to be those two wide receivers you're going to face. Uh, a lot of people thought Tennessee was that last year, and Georgia handled that, uh, played man-to-man. They did not do what Alabama did and sit back in that zone and let them pick them apart. So, um, you know, you look at Joe Milton and what he'll have this year. He'll be at home up there in that game. But you wonder Spencer Rattler, who Georgia really gave fits last year. He threw two picks, those types of things, but he finished a hell of a lot better than started. So you start looking past UT Martin and Ball State. I'm sorry, UGA coaching staff, I I'm allowed to do that. Uh, but you start looking at that, and the first first guy I would consider this, you know, got got some buzz around him, Spencer Rattler. What would Georgia do with him? But the biggest thing for me is you're 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 not going to have a ton of success trying to run the football against Georgia. Yeah, that's going to be a big litmus test, really. I think for South Carolina's whole season, uh, is yeah. how how Spencer Rattler uh, performs in that game against that defense uh, will probably tell the tale of how South Carolina is shaping up for the whole year. And Brad Newsom there makes a great comment. South Carolina has an elite quarterback. South Carolina has a very elite – South Southern California has a very elite quarterback. But let me tell you what they don't have. They don't have the bodies in the box, and Utah pushed them around. So, I mean, you got to have all that up front, and you got to have the other part too. So, you know, 
USC and Lincoln Riley, they're going to put up a million points. But right now, I don't think their roster is built to play a team like Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State, in my opinion, uh, because they're just not there on those lines of scrimmage. And, and I watched that Utah game, man. They just – they physically manhandled USC. They would do better than TCU. Uh, but I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I, but, I'm, but I don't know that it would be wildly different. I think it's the same problem CCU had, but maybe to a lesser degree for USC. I, I'm so tired of reading the Michigan hype, but they do have a good quarterback, and they do have good offensive line. They got a good offensive line. They don't. They don't have the best offensive line. I don't. I don't I'm not saying they're Joe Mur, Joe Moore Award winners. All right. I'm not. Don't don't come at me with that. <laughs> Let's start talking about their their package. They could bring. That's a team that early on Penn State's going to be a sleeper. I'm telling you, man, they've got they've got some guys I've seen out there in San Antonio that are the real deal. And so I don't know a ton about their defensive roster, but offensively, they're going to have a really good quarterback. They're going to have a hell of a running back, and they got wide receivers. So it takes a little bit of that mixture to me to, to mess with Georgia. But, you know, start talking about run the ball at Georgia, it just it's just not happening. And I think, too, what we have to take into consideration is the depth that Georgia's built here. Yep. A lot of these guys can hang maybe one for one. I, I And that's maybe not even the case for a lot of them. But, you know, your Michigans, your Penn States, it's a one for one battle. How do your twos fare against your twos? When you've got to sub guys in and out, how do those guys go up against those guys? I think that that's really something that Kirby Smart and company have delivered on in a big way. And um, I think that that's really where it separates in a lot of cases. I was thinking, go ahead, let me ask one question right yeah. here. Let me ask you, Wes. Bruce, you may know this. The Alabama National Championship game, if you remember, the right guard got hurt and they had to put uh, they had to put Jamari Sawyer to right guard. And they brought in a kid, oh, by the way, who barely played, Broderick Jones, who this year wound up being a first round draft. Who was oh, the guard? Yeah. Who was the guard that got hurt? Was that Warren Erickson? It was Warren Erickson. It was Erickson. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you take Warren Erickson out, and then you put a kid that started 17 games at left tackle for the Chargers in the sixth round and move him to right guard. And then you put, oh, by the way, a first rounder at left tackle that didn't play all year. So you want to talk about depth and like that doesn't happen to teams. You know what I mean? They had two NFL left tackles in the fold because one kid got hurt. Yeah, Yeah, that's punishment, man. That's just straight up punishment. Darius Smith says uh, UNC quarterback Drake May could give Georgia some problems. Way to keep us grounded here, okay? A, a lot of rat poison for your son. We got to keep it <laughs> keep it grounded here. Uh, LSU has an elite quarterback. They got a couple good ones. LSU can watch the SEC championship. LSU, LSU is a team that they're built right. They're built right. Built yep. right. That's right. And uh, I went down to see Darius Darius's son there. And uh, was it Appling County? Is that yep. Appling yeah, County? Baxley. I went down in Baxley, Georgia, and. Yeah, that's about 40 minutes from nowhere. But I tell you what, when he, came, <laughs> when he walked out of the weight room, I was like, yep, I know I'm down here. So they don't uh, – the kids it probably wasn't hard to spot the kid you were there to interview is what well, I would say. <laughs> I think that was his first interview. He was real quiet, but he come walking out. And, and every, obviously, same number gets a ton of comparisons to Adam Anderson physically and, you know, how long he is and where's 19. And when he walked out, first thing I thought was, man, that 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 – you just don't make kids like that. They can bend with that length. And uh, I see why everybody in America was going to Baxley, Georgia. No doubt. Uh, dog stock time. I saw this tweet on my timeline. It's according to Pro Football Focus, but apparently 
George Pickens named his Mount Rushmore of Georgia players. And I'm going to say stock up on George Pickens just making his own rules in life. The Ringer did a really good article on him several days ago. But Pickens' Mount Rushmore includes uh, his Mount Rushmore of Georgia football players includes five people. And I don't know if you've seen Mount Rushmore, but it has four dudes on it. So George Pickens, his ideal Mount Rushmore has George George on there twice. Five people on it. No, George is actually not on there. His Mount Rushmore is A.J. Green, Stafford, Marino. So that tells you the formative years when George was watching football uh, for the dogs. Thomas Davis, which feels like a throwback pick for George Pickens and Nick Chubb. I would keep Chubb on there, and if we're going to traditional Rushmore, I hate the Mount Rushmore conversation, but since I brought it up, I'll just include mine. Chubb, Herschel, Pollock, and I'll go Stetson Bennett, man. Back-to-back national champ quarterback. Maybe not the best stats ever, but he was a winner. So that's my. I wish you would have gone full Chappelle on it like and, and been like, who who are the five hottest? Who are the five hottest players of all time? George, oh, George, George, and George. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like dialogue, man. Um, now I'm going to do my stock tonight um, when we're talking about Del McGee. We mentioned him earlier in the show, and uh, like I said, I got that column coming, so I'm going to go ahead and pump that a little bit. Del McGee heard the whispers, man. Uh, you 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 lost Justice Haynes last year, and it was a loss, and it surprised a lot of people, me included, Rusty. I think you probably may be a little bit surprised by that too. Uh, you lose the son of Hobnail boot. You're going through the summer without anybody. And then you, you flip uh, Roderick Robinson in October and people are saying, Oh gosh, you know, Dell's got us in the spot. Has he lost the touch? He's not here anymore. It's not coming through in the way that it was. And then he comes through this year and you go look at uh, on three's rankings. And uh, you're talking about three backs in the, the top 10, I believe. Um, in, in our rankings. Um, just a tremendous job by him to go ahead, restock that room. He needed to do it, and I'm not giving him uh, any extra credit for that, but um, came through. This is a trio that would rival anything, any two of these guys is what I will say. Any two of the guys in George's class would rival any combo that anybody could put together in the nation, and they have three of them, Right. So take your pick of which two you want to go against. Uh, they have an incredible class together there. Del McGee has done a tremendous job for Georgia once again. And um, uh, I hope people turn into tune into Bark After Dark to hear Nate Frazier talk about it a little bit because he's pretty clear on why it was that Del McGee mattered in this decision and you know his legacy with developing running backs, getting guys ready for the next level. Uh, it all played in. So – uh, you know, hate on Dell if you want, but I will say uh, those people are a lot less vocal than they were 365 days uh, ago, um, yep. which was about the time that they lost Haynes. My dog stock is, and I had to ask him last night, so I've had a million people ask me, it's Dylan Raiola. And I had to ask him, I said, how do you pronounce this? Spell it out to me right here. So Dylan Raiola. I went to Buford on Tuesday. And um, I was doing a Falcon show Wednesday morning. So I spent the night in the Buford area. I just went to practice, didn't interview a single kid, hung out kind of there, talked to those guys. There he is last night with Edric Houston. 
and I talked to players at Buford. I talked to coaches at Buford. I watched him practice for 45 minutes. And everything about him says this kid is doing things the right way. Everybody there at Buford raved to me about him, his transition. He has not tried to come in like I'm a five-star, I'm a superstar. He has kept his mouth shut, and he has worked his tail off uh, there. He has ran extra. He has stayed over extra. He's done things. Hey, they got a really good junior quarterback, and the day I was there, they're probably running – 70% 70% Dylan and 30% him. And when he comes off the field, Dylan's talking to him about things he's doing. They're questioning each other. It's not like he's competing with a guy. He is going to be the starter, but he also knows that kid's the future there. So he's talking to him. They're comparing notes, doing those little things. Um, everything about him off the field that day was very impressive to me. And I've been around long enough to know that, um, you know, that, that, that kind of makeup, is a long goes a long way in a locker room. And so far, you know, even KJ Bolden, I made a note on it. He throws a ball to KJ Bolden about 50 and it hits him on the money. And it happened to be the one damn play that I wasn't recording. Of course it was oh, the yeah. one I wasn't recording. <laughs> and, and um so KJ comes back by me and he goes, Man, he's real nice. And like he stopped and looked at me. He goes, He is real nice. And, uh, you know, everything about him there just really impressed me, spending some time there. And, um, you know, it's going to take him a little while. And I'm going to tell you this, man, uh, the game is not on TV, but Buford is going to open up with one of the best two teams in the country, in my opinion, in St. Francis Academy. Everybody I've talked to thinks St. Francis is one of the top two teams or top three teams in America. So they got their hands full right off the bat. They play that. Then they turn around and go to Mallard Creek, where Jordan Davis is from up in Charlotte. So their schedule's not playing around, but everything I saw from Dylan Riola on Tuesday was very, very impressive. And, um, you know, just to watch him and how he's interacting and those type of things. And more importantly, guys, what people there were telling me about him. I spotted him. I, I didn't tell, uh, I didn't tell many people this story. I'm dropping this one actually right now here live on the Georgia show spotted Dylan Riola at the Braves game the other night. Um, uh, I didn't want to bother him. I was not there to work. I didn't take my laptop. He was there to hang out, too. Uh, just kind of caught him in passing. I saw him. Uh, but I saw some fans walk up to him, take some pictures. He was super gracious to everybody, man, uh, that, that approached him. And I thought that, that was a really cool thing to see as well. So, um, you know, I think that he's kind of ingratiated himself really early on. It sounds like with Buford and uh, really just yeah. the Georgia community as a, as a whole. Yep. Buford football, great. Dylan Riola. Y'all hit like and subscribe on this channel. Check out dogshq.com. Sign up for a premium membership. $1 for one month. Give that a shot during our fall camp special or 25% off of a normal annual deal. Just go ahead and commit to the whole thing. Join this talented elite 2024 class that we have building over at dogshq.com. It's a lot of fun. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and there's a lot more juicy details and scoop going on over there as we lead up to camp and as these kids continue to take more visits uh, because who doesn't want to be a dog right now other than KJ Bolden but it's not over as we told you <laughs> thank y'all for uh thank y'all for joining tonight and we will be back Monday 9 p.m for bark after dark as Mountain Jake told you and every Wednesday and Sunday 8 30 p.m Eastern right here on the dogs HQ YouTube channel 
For Rusty and Jake, I'm Wes. Y'all have a great week. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.